0: Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl. This
0: is episode 94, and we're reviewing Komi Can't Communicate, season two. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. Are you happy that we're talking about Komi again?
1: Yes. I remember back when we discussed season one, I was saying I had no idea who Komi was, and now she has become my wote, my waifu of all time <laughs> and I know Maureen had her time to shine over the winter season but spring was definitely Comey's terrain supreme and yes I am still salty about what happened at anime central so <laughs> I-, I wonder <laughs>
0: when we get to the anime awards early next year if Comey and Maureen will show up on mm. the category best girl I'm sure I'm they sure. will I would be surprised if they don't But between the two of them, if one reigns supreme over the other in that award, that'll be uh, an interesting conversation between the two of us.
1: I feel like it's going to be mine because my dress-up darling is on the Crunchyroll streaming service and Comey at least here in the States, is on Netflix, so there'll be that bias.
0: Crunchyroll has a fair award show, (laughs) and they never do anything suspicious that favors their shows, Mm. if you Mm. can't tell by my extreme sarcasm. I will say it took all of my strength in reading that opening to not say Kong Ming can't communicate, because ever since we've been watching your boy Kong (laughs) Ming, I always instinctively want to say Kong Ming instead of Komi. I don't know why.
1: Your girl (laughs) Komi can't communicate. (laughs) It doesn't
0: go the opposite way. When I talk about Kong Ming, I don't want to say Komi. But for some reason, when I talk about Komi, I want to say Kong Ming. So if that happens during this review, I apologize. But to start us off, first of all, for all of our folks in the United States, or even if you're not in the U.S. and you want to celebrate this, happy 4th of July. It's 4th of July when this episode is coming out.
1: Yeah, everyone, get out your freedom fries and celebrate. <laughs> or I don't know, just <laughs> just make a firework explode really loudly in your neighborhood or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone today, um, besides listening to this podcast episode, will hopefully be celebrating with friends and family, grilling, drinking, shooting off fireworks, and doing all sorts of belligerent activities as we do on 4th of July. I don't know what plans we have. We actually got invited to four separate 4th of July outings. So we're going to have to pick and choose. The nice thing is 4th of July is on a Monday this year. So people are doing some of those celebrations on Sunday and some of them on Monday. um, So we can maybe make appearances to as many of those celebrations as possible. But I'm sure we will be drinking a lot.
1: It's been really hot this summer so I, I'd rather just have like an indoor activity but I, I blow
0: like, up fireworks inside no <laughs> like I,
1: I also just hate fireworks like just going off every 10 seconds um
0: but yeah you would cause you don't like <laughs> when balloons pop either
1: yeah well like fireworks they're nice to, they're pretty to look at but yeah if, if I hear ones just within like a, a 10 yard radius go off it it's really alarming but I, I do love like things off the grill so, like, so do barbecue you barbecue and hot dog?
0: Do you like fireworks in anime? Because that's a pretty big thing, especially in slice of life anime, to have like a fireworks scene at the summer festival where the two characters have this romantic moment as they're watching the magical fireworks. Would that would that bother you if you went to like a fireworks show? Because they they seem pretty intense in Japan compared to some of the fireworks displays we have here in the U.S. But what like do you like fireworks shows?
1: Are you saying do I like watching fireworks in anime?
0: Okay, I guess both questions. What? Do you like firework fireworks in anime, and then separately, do you like watching fireworks shows in real life?
1: No, yeah, like I enjoy watching fireworks. <laughs> I'll go to a <laughs> fireworks show. It's just that on Fourth of July, you never know when a firework is going to go off. That's true. Like at least in in your proximity, especially with a in show, Chicago. Yeah, with a show you know it it's planned it's timed so you know what's going to happen but yeah in chicago it's just explosions everywhere
0: sometimes you'll be driving down the street in the city on 4th of july and then someone will just light fireworks or whatever in the street and you'll be driving along and suddenly there's an explosion in your face you just got to be ready for it
1: yeah that's that's terrifying but like a fireworks show, again, it, it's pleasing to the eyes, so I can deal with that.
0: Okay. That's good to know the difference. Where your, where your tolerance is for fireworks. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be shooting anything off that's super huge, but for anybody who is, have a fun 4th of July and a safe 4th of July. Please don't explode your arm off or go to the hospital or anything like that.
1: Yes, please, for the love of Kami-sama, don't get isekai would by a (laughs) (laughs) firework.
0: Don't put ideas in people's heads. (laughs) Um, So before we jump into anime-related topics, really, really quick, but really, really important thank you so much everyone for helping us reach our goal of 100 ratings on spotify i actually think we surpassed that by a couple of ratings we beat
1: comey's goal of trying to reach 100 friends yeah (laughs) 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 that'll be our next goal helping comey get
0: more friends (laughs) faster um but yeah thank you everyone we seriously appreciate it 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 really does help us a lot because the majority of our listeners are on spotify so reaching this goal is a big, big milestone for us and helps us out when new people find us or discover our podcast on Spotify and they can see the not only the rating but the number of ratings as well. So thank you everyone for, I'm looking right now, for 102 ratings as of this recording. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, our score's
1: pretty decent too. (laughs) Not to brag, but I'm glad that. Our Spotify listeners out there do enjoy our content. So yes, thank you. Thank you so much for your ratings.
0: So yesterday, I saw Fruits Basket Prelude in theaters, and oh my God, the emotions. I knew it was going to be emotional, but it's another thing when you actually sit there and experience the emotions.
1: But did you tear up? Because I know you've said before that Clannad like the the number one slice of life comedy out there. (laughs) Uh, Like that was the only anime that you've ever actually cried watching.
0: Yep, and that's still the case. I did not cry while watching Fruits Basket Prelude. However, I did get choked up, like legitimately choked up. I felt that swelling in my throat and my, my eyes got a little... little moist, (laughs) but I did not cry. Clannad is still the only thing in anime or not in anime, really anything in general that I've ever cried to in my entire life. So it's going to take something major to top that. But I did enjoy Fruits Basket Prelude quite a bit. I will warn anybody who's going to go see it, although actually by the time this episode comes out, I think it's no longer in theaters in the US. It was a very limited run. I think it only had like three to four days that it was showing in theaters. Um, but for what it's worth, the first 20 to 30 minutes of Prelude is actually a recap. I was kind of disappointed in that. Um, as you all know, I very strongly dislike recaps, especially in this world of streaming. I think that it's, it's unnecessary. And if I'm paying money to see something in theaters, I kind of want it to be all new content. If I wanted to recap, I would just go back to the show itself. However, I would say of all the recaps I've ever had to sit through in anime, this one was probably the best one. Not saying much, but it was probably the best one because, and I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, But it was like one of those YouTube compilation videos of like the best moments between, you know, these two characters or the best scenes between these two characters, whether it's like the best fighting moments or the best romantic moments or whatever. So for this, it would be the best romantic moments between two specific characters in Fruits Basket that... I particularly love I think everyone mostly loves them Um, so it was kind of nice sitting through that recap to a certain degree because you got to experience all of those amazing moments in like like back to back to back however I'd still at the end of the day not want to waste 20 to 30 minutes on a recap
1: and how long was the entire movie
0: that is a great question let me check here so the movie had a runtime of one hour and twenty eight minutes, according to Mal. Okay. I I don't have an exact number for the recap portion, but it did feel like it was about twenty to thirty minutes. So it's about
1: a third of the movie.
0: Exactly, and I actually think that the prelude portion of it, which ha- which starts after the recap finishes, felt a little bit rushed. I almost wish that they dedicated that additional thirty minutes to prelude to kind of expand on some of the the things that were going on with the characters that they were highlighting in Prelude. Um, I'm trying like my best not to spoil anything because I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's not watched Ruth's Basket or plans to. But um, if you've done research on Prelude and you know which characters it follows, I just feel like they could have expanded more on that story had they not had the recap in the beginning. But all in all, I'm I was very happy with what I watched. And I think I'd give it like an 8.5 out of 10. It was mm. a solid movie. And had uh, an extra special something at the end of it, which just was the cherry on top. It was fucking amazing.
1: So I know you want you you don't want to like spoil the premise of this movie or any of the details, but with it being called Prelude, is this a a prequel to the series? Uh, do you know if like it was like an original story or was it taken? from a, a portion of like the manga or, or light novel or whatever that wasn't adapted
0: I don't know where the adaptation comes from if it's an original actually says source manga but I don't know if they're referring to like just the fruits basket manga in general um but I I can say that it is a prequel because it's the main character's parents it's like her parents story essentially like how mm. they met so logically they met got together and then had the main character and then the story follows the main character told so that that's really what it's about is how her parents got together and started their family so it's a really really cute story um extremely emotional as it is for fruits basket so if you're a fruits basket fan and you're not sure if you want to watch prelude again it's not in theaters anymore but when it makes its way to streaming services i highly recommend it so now let's talk about comey because there's a lot of romance and emotion. Well, maybe not emotion, but a lot of romance (laughs) that we can talk about with this season two. So start us off with your overall thoughts on season two.
1: Well, I want to say this was kind of more like a season one part two than what I feel like is a true season two, especially since this season concludes at the end of the first school year. And so I think it's still in a way, connected with what we saw in quote-unquote season one.
0: I completely agree. It feels like a two-core single season than it does two full separate seasons, especially the way that season two ended. It felt almost finite, like it kind of wrapped everything up in what Mm. would be a single season. So I'm confused because Mal lists this as season two of Comey, and when I did a quick Google search, other sources say the same thing, that it's technically season two. But yeah, it it feels like second core instead.
1: Yeah, because season one came out fall of last year, and we did our review of that in January. I believe that was episode 69. Nice. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it only had like a, a one season break before this started.
0: Which is typical of a two core anime. They have a much shorter break between the first core and the second core than they would a longer break between first season and second season.
1: Yeah, which is why I was so surprised when, like, at the end of season one, they had an um, announcement of season two where, you know, Comey's in that, like, studio and she holds up the, the the title card or whatever announcing season two, and it was going to debut in April of this year, only, what, three or four months after season one concluded. So I was like, that's a really quick turnaround time for a new season. But yeah, this just makes me feel like this season is just more of a core like you said rather than a full-fledged season because the only thing that really changed in this season was like the weather but I feel like a proper season change would be when the characters enter their second year of high school which they do at the end of this this season
0: yeah it's confusing as fuck I guess for for all purposes we'll just go with what a lot of the sources are saying which is quote unquote season two. But whatever it is, it it feels like a pretty close continuation from season one.
1: Yeah. Regardless, this show legitimately puts a smile on my face um, as I'm watching Comey and Tadano's puppy love, like growing episode by episode. And I know like the show as a whole, it continues to focus on the considerable Amount of growth and development for Comey in her communication journey, and I know, like for her, that means like speaking in full sentences. But that that's a far cry from like back in season one when she's pointing out the word "thank you" in magazines, like when she's getting her hair cut to thank the barber, and now she's able to have like a full blown conversation with Tadano. So there are many moments in this season where she continues to break out of her shell in bigger ways. But I just love that, you know, like with season one, it was kind of dropping small hints of Comey and Tadano's feelings for each other. And you get more of that here, but it feels like it's starting to snowball even more, uh, especially with like the Valentine's Day episode and the White Day episode
0: that's the exact reason i actually like or enjoyed season two more than season one still really loved season one but season two gave much more romantic development as you said between komi and tadano last season i felt like did not deliver nearly enough romance to me it was like peppered throughout the show and i was almost sitting there waiting like when the fuck are they going to show us more cute moments between komi and tadano but this season finally scratched that itch and gave us some pretty significant moments between the two of them I mean, Comey's already admitted that she likes Tadano. like indirectly on that sleepover, mm-hmm. but pretty much has confirmed that she does like Tadano and have has feelings for him. And he is reaching that same point. I think he's realizing his feelings for Komi, um, about to kind of fully accept them, and maybe even at that point where he could see himself being with Komi. Because up until now, he's felt like she's out of his league.
1: Yeah, I think he just has to get out of that headspace of not feeling like he's deserving of her because like we've seen throughout the show like he is kind of like her number one cheerleader her number one mentor and just an overall great friend to her so of course he meets the qualifications to to be her love interest and yeah it's you know it's it's kind (laughs) of It's a little bit frustrating for him to feel so down in the dumps, um especially when again the the Valentine's Day episode, like no one gave him can or chocolate instead of or no one gave him chocolate besides uh katai the the delinquent character, but then Comey comes in and and gives her gives him chocolate at the end and that gives like a a renewed sense of hope in him so again he he has it in the bag he just has to deliver on (laughs) it
0: it is nice though that we at least have pretty much confirmation that the two of them have feelings for each other it's more frustrating when you only know for sure that one of the characters has romantic feelings and you're waiting to see if the other character will develop those feelings because you're like well fuck is this actually going to ever happen here it's like we know it's going to happen it's just a waiting game and going through that journey with them i i do also very much enjoy this season's new friends more than last season last season had had really solid friends i mean Jimmy just st- steals the show anytime they're on screen um, but i felt like this season season two we have the introduction of some male friends for the first time i don't count like the three guys the ninja dude and The other two, and the ones like that always, trio.
1: yeah, hang out with each other, yeah, because
0: they're kind of like there and they just kind of got like absorbed into Komi's group through osmosis versus a proper introduction, like Katai and um, Narusei,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: the narcissist, yeah, which is if you look at his name, it's Narusei Shisuto, which if you read that out it's narush i can't say it narush narushisto like narcissist yeah shisto. yeah
1: well a lot of the the characters on the show they have their play on like the the personalities or tropes that they're emulating right
0: yeah and i don't know i just found these season two friends to be overall more interesting and more funny i mean katai is fucking hilarious Mm -hmm. all of his scenes are so fucking funny
1: yeah, he's definitely the standout friend this season. And yeah, I would say overall, like I like I still think the friends that were in season one were a solid group because they're the names that I remember the most. Like half the time I was forgetting what Katai's name was. Uh, but I don't know if you are introduced to many in this season. Like I know there's the, the group mates that were paired up with Comey during the school trip. And then they throw in two more at the very end. Um, so in comparison, like, there are... I think the, the characters that are introduced here feel a bit stronger than... Like, in personality than the ones that we've seen already. Um, but I, th- I still think the ones that were already established, um, they can still hold their own. And speaking of the characters, I was actually surprised. I... I was looking through the list of VAs in this series, and I was surprised by some of the notable names. Like, there aren't many notable names um, in Komi, but of the side characters, the the ninja student that you mentioned, I think Shinobi Mono, is actually voiced by Kensho Ono.
0: Wait, what? Really? Yeah. I never caught that, which is rare for me. I feel like the second I hear a voice actor, I, I recognize them. Like there, there they are.
1: Maybe he's just that good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Inaka, the country bumpkin, as I like to call her character, is voiced by Megumi Han, who is known as Gon from Hunter Hunter, and Shosuke's, Komi, Komi's brother.
0: Wait, um, who's, who's voiced by Megumi Han? gone. No, 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 I know gone. I know she's gone oh, Um actor.
1: she was the the classmate who came from the countryside.
0: What's her name? Cuz she, she's Inaka. listed here as um Netsuno Chika or Chika Netsuno as well. Does she do two characters?
1: What the fuck? Hold That's on. That's the
0: fire girl from the racing episode. Not the super competitive girl, but like the actual fire hair girl.
1: Uh I pulled I just pulled up the Komi san wiki. And for Inaka Nokoko, <laughs> that's a funny name, <laughs> um, it says here the Japanese voice is Megumi Han. Uh, okay,
0: yeah, I do see that here on MAL. It's uh, Inaka's not listed on Season two's cast list, but if you go to Season 1, you can see both her and Netsuno, and both of them show Megumi Han as their voice actress.
1: Okay, yeah, I know that VAs can double up sometimes sometimes, um, in some shows i know and i think in the states uh voice actors are contracted to do up to three characters in one show that's the last i heard i don't know if that was ever changed at all anyways uh, the last va i wanted to bring up that was interesting is the va for Comey's brother again shosuke Comey, who i think actually has a speaking role in this season like we only saw them visually in the previous season. Uh but it's Junia Inoki's voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that in season 1. Oh, so he did speak in season 1. No, I don't I don't think he spoke or maybe he did a little bit, but yeah, Junya Inoki um is Comey's brother mm-hmm. and he probably had just as many lines in season 1 as Comey did um but yeah he was very limited in season two as well that that one shopping episode that you're referring to yeah he spoke a decent amount i think the only other time we hear him is when in the last episode when he answers the doorbell and he just makes like a noise (laughs) he says like one word and that's it
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, and for those who don't know junya enoki is the voice of yuji itadori from jujutsu kaisen as well as fugo from jojo part five so notable names in this cast uh and I know uh, Tadano is voiced by the same vie who's in was it Black Clover?
0: That blew my mind. See, I'm still working through Black Clover. I think I'm on episode twenty-two, but when I first I think I may have told this already, but when I first uh started the show and I heard Asta's voice, I'm like, this guy is fucking annoying. Not not the voice actor, but just Asta's voice, because he never stops screaming. I'm like, who is his voice actor? This person probably has their throat destroyed from screaming all the time as Asta. And I realized, oh my God, it's the same voice actor as Tadano. They don't exactly sound too similar, so I wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't looked on Mal. But yeah, far enjoy uh, the voice actor's performance as Tadano over Asta.
1: Yeah, so that VA is Gakuto Kajiwara, um, to give him credit. Uh, Just to remind myself, Komi's voice actor is... Koga Aoi, and I don't know if she's had any other. Oh, she is Kaguya from Kaguya-sama, Love is War. Is this who that is?
0: Oh wow, yeah, she is. What the fuck?
1: Okay, <laughs> I we haven't watched, or you've watched a little bit of Kaguya. I right?
0: dro- I dropped Kaguya after three episodes. <laughs> I'm gonna so, get some some shit for that, but I did. I, I tried. It didn't resonate with me.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll have to give it a try. Um, even though like. I can't say much about Komi's voice yet, although she does have more speaking lines in this season, so she's got that going for her. With all that said, grab your notepads, dear listeners, as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Komi Can't Communicate Season 2, which is the 2022 anime adaptation of a manga series written and illustrated by Tomohito Oda, produced by OLM and directed by Kazuki Kawagoe. The second series follows Komi as she continues towards her goal of making 100 friends and a possibly ulterior goal of taking her friendship with Tadano one step further. In episode one, broken into four segments, it's just the arrival of winter, it's just a delinquent, it's just studying at Nakanakas, and it's just a final exam. Despite the Strictly series Scorching Summer Spectacular, It's the season of fall over in Komi-land, as our titular heroine shares a cheeky moment with Tadanormi before being bequeathed a notebook by Najimi to keep track of her friends' names. The newest of which is Cobra Katai, a delinquent who is seemingly all bark but no bite. Slice-of-life school scenarios ensue anew, from a heated study session to a final exam undertaking where Tadanormi ends up with Komi's eraser, a memory of which I hope he won't soon erase. All right, right out the gate, let's discuss OP and ED. Uh, OP is called, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this. Ao, butcher? <laughs> <laughs> butcher? Butcher. <laughs> butcher this. Ao Hyakushoku, which is translated to 100 Blue Colors by Miku Ito. What did you think ao of this?
0: Hyakushoku, Not ao hyo- Hyaku Iro. I see it as ito. Oh. On, on mail. I don't know. I don't okay. know that kanji. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, one of the two. <laughs> yeah,
1: either way, it's about a hundred blue colors. But what did you think of this op? Uh, both audio and visual wise.
0: Visuals are gorgeous. I love it. I think it's really soft um, and, and pleasing to watch. Song is mid. I just don't care for the song. It's it just doesn't like resonate with me. And it doesn't hit the same way the first op does from season one. I love, mm-hmm. love the the op from season one uh, with I don't remember the name of the song Cinderella, yeah, by Cider Girl. Mm-hmm. The song sounds fucking amazing. It's such a vibe. The lead singer has a great voice, and the animation was just so fun. Like seeing Comey fall from the sky. What a way to introduce that character here. Like. It's again like it's a softer song, so the animations match. um, But I do think it's gorgeously animated. It's just the song itself to me is like not one I would be putting on the playlist. Although it did make it on the playlist, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a decent song. (laughs) I'll I'll admit, it does not hit as hard as Cider Girl's OP from the first season. Uh, But I think what's funny with this song is like you hear the OP at certain instances in the show where it's not being played with its regular visuals, and they kind of use it to a very comedic effect. So like that opening, like the, I don't know if it's like chimes or whatever, it's like the, like every time I hear that, I, I just think back to some of the the, the comedic scenes where the OP is used. Uh, so in that sense, it's kind of iconic, but outside of that, it, it's, again, not a, as much of a vibe as Cinderella. Um, visuals wise, like I I do enjoy how there's this film camera view of Komi's perspective as she's watching her friends and going through her daily school life. Uh, but you know, there's the, the sequence where it gets really stylized and there's another shot of Komi as she's like falling from the sky, uh, cause you know, like she's an angel falling from heaven. Right. Um, but I think at that point it's kind of, it's almost like my hero where, it's hard to distinguish between the two OPs visually because they, they look very similar.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: As for the lyrics, I think this is a song about a confession of love. Um, one of the verses, I believe, says, when I run with you, there's always a breeze, that sky 100 colors of blue. I think that's in kind of in reference to the 100 friends that Tadano helps Komi to make each of them, kind of like a different shade of blue um and like running with you there's always a breeze kind of like how Tadano's just been helping her along the way with you know navigating the sky of friends i guess and i think in the chorus one key lyric is where should i put this feeling away that i love you so much So there you go. Don't
0: put it away anywhere. (laughs) Just let it be. Tell the world.
1: Just let it all out. You can write it on your notepad or just say it in your squeaky voice. And in the ED, we have... Okay, I'm going to butcher this again. Koshaberi Biori, which I think translates to small talk weather by fantastic youth.
0: I'm on the opposite end here from how I felt about the OP. Um, I love the song for the ED. I do not like <laughs> the visuals. I'm sorry. I, I don't like rotoscoping. It just is It's weird to me. And this is like watching something out of Just Dance, the video game. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's funny. Because, yeah, it, it's kind of like you have the pixelated characters uh, and they are kind of rotoscoped as they're, they're filing out of the classroom. And then kind of leaving Comey by her lonesome. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, there were some PC games in the 90s, 2000s that had this sort of aesthetic. Um, it kind of creeped me out, but something about this was just pleasant. And I think what I, I like about the visuals for this ED is it, it kind of has a story in itself, whereas, like, other EDs from anime... It's just a lot of poppy colors or, you know. Quick imagery. Yeah, or showing characters in in different outfits or whatever. Here, it's kind of like two different scenarios, right? There's the first shot of the classroom, and you just see Comey sitting by herself as everyone else around her is just socializing. And then, again, she's the last to leave. Uh, But then you have a, a brighter classroom scene that flashes, I think, halfway through the song, and you see Tadano like talking to her.
0: Wait, there's two different like classroom scenes in yeah. the ED? I thought it was all one and they just all run no. together. See, I was not paying attention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, yeah, I, I, I rewatched it right before um, we started our recording. And yeah, the second one is more positive because it's again, Komi socializing with Tadano. And everyone is saying bye to her as they're leaving the classroom, so it's kind of like Comey uh, uh, before when she was struggling with her communication issues, and then after when Tadano started to like help her out in her journey to find a hundred friends. So again, like it, it's it's a very subtle story in the visuals, but it's it's something that I appreciate because um, you know like EDS they always kind of just like get a bad rap for just being there. Uh, yeah, I
0: don't want to totally write off the ED visuals, even though they're not my favorite. Like, they, they're, I definitely appreciate what they're going for. I agree. I love the old school video game aesthetic. And I like the idea, like the concept of just a still camera watching the classroom and so much going on all at once. But everything that's going on is specific to that particular character and what they've done in the show. The way they were introduced and their friendship with Komi, so it's kind of cool. It's almost like where's Waldo? If you watch it enough times, you can see or pay attention to each character and see what they're doing. Like you have Najimi like dancing and being all silly and goofy. That's very much their personality. Um, it's just it's fun to watch for that aspect. But I like then I see the rotoscoping and I'm like, nah.
1: yeah, I-, I can see how that can be a uh, a drawback. Uh, but speaking of like you know watching individual characters closely one that's kind of obvious besides najimi is when yamai cuts back into the room um, and hides in the back locker as komi's about to head out um, just so she can like uh, sneak up behind komi another one that's interesting is if you watch now the narcissist uh is because he's he's doing a weird dance he's like he's by himself and then he just starts just doing a weird dance by himself and like uh, gliding across the back of the room and then you, you see him blow a kiss to Comey, even though she's just sitting by her lonesome. cell <laughs> <It, laughs> I just love like, like the ED kind of just captures the personality and vibe of each character so you can just have these small character moments that you can look at specifically and yeah, I think that just kind of makes the ED worth watching over and over again uh, lyrics, I think it's just kind of like a another bottled up confession. Um, I think it's it's again, small talk weather. So it's like the singer who I'm I assuming uh, is Comey just wants to make small talk, especially with the person she's interested in. What color is your color? I want to s- try sing it aloud a bit, but never mind, I don't need to say it after all. Our colors mixed together, you know, like Comey and Tarano together. Um, so yeah, I think, Lyrics-wise, it's very similar in story and concept with the OP.
0: For this first episode, though, of the season, really, really good a- animation for the return of Komi. That's like one of the first things I noted. And I was drawn to Katai very quickly because of how absurd he looks. I mean, the, his visuals, or his visuals, his character design is the first thing that grabs you because he's huge. As fuck, And his face is so small for his big ass head. I love the way he's drawn. So I, I was immediately um, compelled by this character because he has a similar like personality to Komi, but is misunderstood for a very different reason than, than her.
1: Yeah. Obviously, everyone's just intimidated by his imposing stature. But you know that he is, he's just a gentle giant. And a clear embodiment of that don't judge a book by its cover in the series. And I think, again, he's kind of the standout new friend or new character for season two because of the humor that is drawn from, like, people misinterpreting what he says, especially, like, when it comes to, like, Tadano and Komi because they think he's saying something threatening, whereas we get his inner thoughts of him trying to find the right words to say to be like a to come off as friendly as he can but then it just you know it enters that grovelly voice of his
0: at first I thought he was going to be introduced as almost a romantic rival to Tarano but very quickly that was not the case he it's funny how he calls Komi call his master and misunderstands what she does as her way apparently of rooting for him and teaching him how to be more communicative with other people. And props to good boy Tadano for, he he was still intimidated by Katai, but he very quickly wanted to help the poor guy out by establishing that friendship and talking (laughs) to him. I mean, after he's kind of figured Komi out, I'm sure it wasn't too hard to figure out Katai.
1: Yeah, and that friendship goes places later on. Oh my god, (laughs) so so funny. (laughs) Another note I had from this episode is with the segment of the study session where I think they've always put Yamai, who is the what the, the yandere uh, type yeah. for the series, and uh, Nakanaka, who's the, the ch- chunibyo. Yeah. Um, they I feel like they've always put them as butting heads together. And so in, in this segment, it's them kind of showing, like trying to like, of insult each other by like doing like this kind of wild and out competition insulting like their style like uh yamai's room being too boyish or or sorry
0: nakanaka's room are yeah, they at her
1: house yeah they're at her house um so yamai insults nakanaka's room as being too boyish and in Na- nakanaka i'm getting these names confused nakanaka in turn calls yamai's room too girly and then komi is asked of her opinion but she says that they are both precious to her equally as friends and that's just you know indicative of like our own groups of friends i'm thinking of my group of friends they're not into anime uh but we still manage to get along with each other and it just shows that you don't always have to be into the same things to be friends So very <laughs> wholesome lesson from this segment oh and then you know Todd tadano taking Komi's eraser and treasuring it, too. <laughs> a nice, subtle hint, again, at their budding romance. In episode two, broken into four segments, it's just a typhoon, it's just a fantasy, it's just a cat cafe, it's just the I love you game, a typhoon starts raining on Komi's parade until the sweet, stumpy voice of Tata Normi brings her at ease, while Yabai Yamai tries to get a sneak puddle peek at her idol's panties. After bearing witness to the male classmates live out their pathetic sexual fantasies and Tadanormi living out one of a spicy dinner date with Comey, our wholesome heroine makes friends with a ferocious feline at a cat cafe and nearly has her own spicy fantasy live out when Tadanormi is dared in a game to say to her the most perilous three-word phrase in the English lexicon I love you.
0: I noticed with episode two that we were getting more consistent romantic moments between Comey and Tadano. I mean, almost every episode has something, whether it's big or small. I'm like, thank you. That's what I live for with these kinds of shows. Like, yeah, everything else is great. But let's be honest, I'm here to ship the shit out of two characters and hopefully see them become canon. And in this one in particular, Tarano Komi, Tarano Komi, Tarano calling Komi during the storm to check on her and keep her company while she was scared was super fucking wholesome. And I think at that scene, that was probably the most we've heard her speak in one sitting up until that point. We get more later in the the season, but by that point, I was like, damn, she's talking a lot, which is not a lot, but for her, it was a lot.
1: Yeah, I think I bolded my notes. Um, when that came up because it's like a very significant moment for her to verbally communicate just by a simple phone call. And I know like in the in the first season she had pretended that she was the phone operator to get out of talking to Tadano verbally over the phone, but here she welcomes it. And I know there was another instance in season one where she was like having like a embarrassing nightmare until she starts thinking of Tadano, and then that comforts her. So now it's like like you can see the comfort in, like in person because she's talking to Tadano in person, and I just thought that was so sweet.
0: And then Tadano imagining what it would be like to live with Komi and do dishes was fucking wholesome. And of course, <laughs> his fantasy would be so much more wholesome than the other fantasies that the other boys were having. Not to say that those were super degenerate or anything like that, but by comparison, Tata knows is pretty reserved, pretty tame, but very, very cute.
1: And then he like fervently starts smacking his head on the desk for, <laughs> for
0: thinking such lewd thoughts
1: of Comey. right? <laughs> Comey's too precious for us to lewd. And I know that's a rule we kind of follow in our Discord, <laughs> like the NSFW channel yeah, specifically.
0: The Not Safe for Work channel, anything goes, well, almost anything goes except for... Comey ludes <laughs> and then Tadano almost telling Comey, I love you um, during that embarrassment game. Super cute. But at that point, Tadano still he, it still alluded to the fact that he thinks he has no chance with Comey. And it's nice to see by the end of the season that he's start a sort of um, feeling like he may have a chance with her, that he may be good enough for someone like her. Because um, I think he's starting to think that maybe she has feelings for him as well,
1: and maybe that was the metaphor for like visiting the cat cafe with the, uh, I think the cat's, I think it's, Chocora, which is supposed to be like chocolate because it's like a it's the black it's a black cat, and it's sort of like the runt of the bunch. Like all the other cats in that cafe are are very friendly to approach, but then this one in particular just. Is on its own but then it or like Komi is, is is drawn to it and they become friends so yeah in a way maybe like Tadano this is a real stretch by the way but like Tadano is kind of like that that black cat who seems like he is in a different league from everybody else but you know I think Komi is still like she is drawn to those kinds of animals or people <laughs> in episode three broken into four segments. It's just the feeling. It's just a fantasy part 2. It's just an invitation to lunch, and it's just roasted sweet potatoes. Even with his familiarity with Komi, I almost said Kongmi in there.
0: See, it's hard.
1: <laughs> Let me try that again. Even with his familiarity with Komi, Tadanoori can't impart his wisdom onto his fellow classmates as they try to get inside her head so we go back inside the male classmates' heads who finally fantasize about Komi as a femme fatale with fighting finesse. Fairly freaky if you feel me. Koro Katai packs a lunch and packs a punch when he shares a meal with Tadanormi and Komi, his communication guru, though maybe he should seek guidance elsewhere for now. Lastly, Komi somehow manages to buy sweet potatoes from a food truck and gifts some to Tadanormi, who fends off his haunted maiden memories from the Bunkasai festival and invites our girl to make better memories with him over winter break. These are your first steps into a larger world, my stumpy little boy.
0: Maybe we should just um, ship Kong Ming with Tarano instead. Kong that's a, That's a ship that I would be behind. <laughs> Kong Ming from your boy Kong Ming with Tarano, That You know what? Let, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, Kong Ming I is would a, support that.
1: He's a very supportive character um, to, or, like in his show as well.
0: So. <laughs> well, whether it's Kongming or Komi that we're shipping with Tadano, um, really the only part of this episode that I actually enjoyed was the sweet potato scene at the end. This episode seemed like a bunch of random events with no cohesion, more so than other episodes. And I know that the manga, they're, they're trying to adapt as close to the manga as possible, and that's through you know shorter scenes, shorter segments, um, if you will. But here just like didn't flow as nicely as other episodes did. However, that payoff was the end scene, again, with Tadano starting to realize his feelings for Comey and then inviting her to hang out during winter break. It was a short scene, but it was it was a nice scene.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I commented on this in our season one review. Sometimes I'm not entirely sure if Comey is progressing with her like overcoming her communication issues because in this case uh with the vendor like she didn't know how to speak to him about getting the potatoes but uh, eventually it seems like he still understood what she was trying to communicate so,
0: and it, I'm okay with that yeah. because I don't think someone goes from 0 to 100 or they get it right every single time. It's a it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to do yeah, better than other times. Like sometimes she's just not going to be able to talk even though other times she may have been able to.
1: And I see I think you see the most progression when she is with Tadano directly. I think it's just that that has to just translate over to others cuz she even still has trouble communicating with like Najimi or any of the other classmates. Uh the one thing I pulled out from this episode was the lunch segment. I get like the, you have Katai who get his is misunderstood in what he's trying to say. Um uh, when I think he was talking to Tadano and he wanted to invite him to lunch, but he says let's take this outside as <laughs> if it were like a a threat to go fight him, but Tadano understands what uh, what Katai is trying to say to him because I think he's had that experience with Komi, with he just knows how to read people and so he knows exactly what Katai's Trying to offer here.
0: And I think this is the start of Komi's misunderstanding around Katai and Tadano's relationship. I think she's <laughs> I think she thinks that they're gay for each other. Which yeah. hey, you know what at this point? Let's ship Tadano with Komi, let's ship Tatano with Kong Ming, and let's ship Tadano with Katai. I'm down for all of it. Uh and it's just so funny watching her watch them in situations where she's misunderstanding what's going on because yeah, sometimes it does seem like the two, Tarano and Katai, are romantically involved with each other.
1: And this is where I think like the OP has like meme potential because it starts playing at the end of or like as as the trio start having lunch together, it, it feels like it's because it's being used out of place here, it's hinting towards a romantic relationship between tadano and katai which i think like komi is also interpreting and so there's another point in this season where the op is used to that effect and i it's just funny every time it comes up randomly in episode four which is just one segment it's just a merry christmas merry komi rismasu Our wholesome heroine is thrust into a yuletide pinch when Najimi puts together a gift exchange for the class, though her younger brother Shosuke steps in as Santa's biggest helper to assist with buying the gift. The class converges at Komi's on Christmas Eve with a combined Christmas-slash-birthday gift for our leading lady, as her own glorious nativity also falls on December 25th. And much like how the three wise men clamored to see the birth of the Christ child, the classmates too engage in the feisty Christmas spirit over a place next to Komi's side, though she settles the score by snuggling up next to, who else, Tada Normi. The pair are separately put on the spot in a rousing round of the king game, but all's well that ends well as Komi quote-unquote orders that everyone stays friends. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to our mute-born queen.
0: Really good episode, especially in comparison to the previous one. Um, the first part where Shosuke and Komi go shopping was great. Like, Shosuke not wanting to go shopping, it's it just makes perfect sense. Like, he's a, a teenage boy. He's like, I don't want to fucking go and help you shop for a gift. And then, no dialogue between Shosuke and Komi the whole time, other than the narrator kind of helping guide us through that situation. Because neither of them wants to or can talk was really, really good. Because then at the end, they reveal that Shosuke can talk normally, but only when he wants to. I was, like, I was laughing so hard. I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah. And so that's where you hear uh, Junya and Noki's like five seconds of fame in this series. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just funny because, yeah, they, they share very similar personalities and vibes, but Shosuke is. Like, he's indifferent about communicating, but he'll still do it if and then, it's needed.
0: Yeah. And then the, the second half with the party at Komi's place was also fucking hilarious. Like, starting off with that whole breakdown of who sits where and how to sit next to Komi reminded me of some of uh, the episodes from Gintama, particularly the one where the entire episode is a mental battle between Gintoki, Shinpachi, and Kagura deciding who gets to eat the majority of the hot pot. It's just that level of absurdity for something that is so small and mundane, but honestly does create a very awkward social situation. We've all been there, right? Where like you got a big group of people and you you have a particular seat you want to sit in or a particular person you want to be by, but you don't want to be too obvious. You don't want to be rude to anybody else and you're like, how the fuck do I do this? I felt every moment of that scene.
1: That's what I kind of like about uh Comey too is that <laughs> you have these scenes which are very realistic, but you it puts a very comedic spin on it, and like you said. It, it's the way this plays out is almost like watching some sort of intense tournament in a regular anime. Uh, and then you know when they, when they play like the king game and they they do all of these strange like commands. Um, There's a a small Code Geass reference. There
0: is. That was awesome. Who was it? Uh, It was when Nakanaka uses the Geass power against Yamai. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good.
1: (laughs) And then, of course, you have uh, Komi's mom, who just all of a sudden joins the game, uh, commanding Tadano to kiss Tadano. the, the the ninja kid on yeah. the cheek. <laughs> that was so
0: funny because that's so in line with komi's mom's personality she's so outgoing compared especially compared to the rest of her family that she definitely would be into a fucking game like this where they're trying to get two people to kiss each other but i was not expecting tarano to to be paired up with any of the male characters let alone the ninja character, but it, w- it was such a funny scene. Like It was wholesome and funny at the same time because he does actually kiss him on the cheek and then the other guy gets flustered. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? This is great.
1: The one other thing I took away from this episode is that Comey's birthday is on Christmas, December 25th, which I think is the perfect day uh, because that's when heaven came down to earth for both Christians and simps.
0: I was hoping, yeah, I was hoping to see more romantic moments in this episode between Tadano and Komi because it's the Christmas episode and because to your point, it's Komi's birthday and this is prime real estate for those type of scenes. And I was even surprised when Najimi sat on Tadano's lap when he and Komi were next to each other because it basically ruined the moment for Komi and Tadano. And well,
1: Najimi's known for that. <laughs> yes, but Najimi also
0: is known to be a hardcore shipper of Tarano mm. and Komi. Like, they are always placing them in situations where they can have romantic development. So, for Najimi to ruin a moment like that, I was kind of surprised. But I guess we had our moments in later episodes.
1: Yeah, Najimi is sort of a, a wild card. Because wasn't there a, a mix up about um, everyone greeted? comey me happy birthday, even though it was Christmas Eve. Uh, and then someone clarified that it was actually December twenty fifth, the next day. And then they blamed Tadano for it. But later in the episode, you see a, a flashback where you know it was actually Tadano who had helped everyone agree on one gift for comey which was the the large the cat plushie that she ended up really enjoying. And then I think he was actually right about her birthday but everyone was just blaming him for being wrong.
0: Yeah, I think it was just a, a comedic moment. Just, <laughs> But also kind of like, oh, poor Tarano. <laughs> yeah,
1: getting the short end of the stick. In episode five, broken up into four segments, it's just a snowman, it's just a snowball fight, it's just the end of the year, it's just New Year's. Do you want to build a snowman? Comey, let's go and play. We see you build with Tarano. Out in the snow, Najimi's in the
0: way. <laughs> oh my God! Is this uh, is this a follow-up to the one time you wrapped a, uh, well, have, a an episode synopsis? <laughs> I have much more coming up. Oh my episode. God! <laughs>
1: After their homage to Frozen, Komi's classmates next pay homage to the war film genre as they engage in a snowball fight with some younglings with whom Komi is paired, leading to the older team's automatic loss as she is more precious to protect than attack. Komi definitely goes on the attack on New Year's Eve, though, as she engages with her grandmother in a game of Hanafuda to avenge her cousin Akira. The feud is left in the past, however, as our wholesome heroine welcomes the new year with a shrine visit and lends a helping hand to country bumpkin Inaka, where she sells shrine shells at the shrine store. Uh, I want to just comment on the first scene in this episode where I think Tadano and Najimi go to Komi and invite her to make the snowman. Uh, There's no spoken dialogue at all in that scene. And I think it's just all like sounds, like onomatopoeias. And this kind of harkens back to the point that communication doesn't always have to be verbal to be understood. Um, So it, it was an interesting choice for this scene to just play out with no verbal communication
0: yeah I've only seen that done a handful of times in anime the most recent example that comes to mind I think was an episode from teasing master Takagi-san season three and they're they're kind of nice like it's it's a nice change of pace and honestly that was probably the only scene I really enjoyed from this episode I I just thought the episode overall was okay I, I was hoping for more one-on-one time between Tarano and Komi, especially after he invited her to, to hang out during winter break. But he was like barely in this episode. And that's fine. Not every single episode has to focus on Tarano and Komi's relationship building. But when I think about the other stuff that happened, the snowball fight and playing that card game, um, that game with her grandma and her cousin, it was all just okay to me.
1: Yeah. I guess you could con- kind of consider this a bit of a filler episode i don't know if it's just because it's a like a a, quote-unquote holiday episode since it's centered around new year's um but the other thing that i just enjoyed was uh the scene where one of the grade school kids is knocked out uh as i think another kid tries to make a sacrifice play and then you have this very somber classical music playing i believe it is air by Johann sebastian bach for any of you classical music aficionados out there in episode six which is broken into three segments it's just everyone's new years it's just ice skating and it's just a cold komi goes on a separate shrine visit with najimi and tadanormi and secures a fortune of good luck hopefully some good luck with my stumpy boy now i'm saying now i'm saying Cobra Katai reaches out to our stumpy boy to go ice skating, but cowers at the appearance of Komi-sensei. Our ho-hum hero is forced to teach both of them how to ice skate, leading to an unexpectedly romantic scene that would make BL lovers freak. But what's got everyone freaking out is when Tadanormi catches the far too common cold in slice-of-life stories, leading Komi to save and soothe her stumpy soulmate in place of Najimi. An NC-17 hand-holding scene nearly ensues. Until Najimi arrives to break that shit up right now, we don't need that kind of violent content in our lives.
0: After the previous episode, I watched episode 6 and was like, let's fucking go. (laughs) More relationship development. And I don't only mean between Komi and (laughs) Tarano, but I also mean between Tarano and Katai, because, yeah, this episode was probably one of the best this season. So, going back to the ice skating scene in the beginning, Komi and Tadano holding hands while skating was great and all, but Katai and Tadano holding hands was far better. It was so, I mean just the whole thing was so fucking funny because here you have Tadano and his actual love interest, but then you have Katai who wants to be Tadano's friend but his the way he approaches it feels so BL feels so boys love and it's it's so fucking funny to watch and then when they played the OP
1: yes. over the
0: scene with Katai and Tadano while they were skating making it feel far ro- more romantic than you know if they didn't play that song it was it was just chef's kiss the whole thing <laughs> was so funny and all of the humor hit
1: that's why i think the OP is just meme material they, <laughs> they just inject it perfectly in these moments and i'm sh- i'm pretty sure like Comey was watching and just felt really uncomfortable i too. know every
0: time she observes them she's probably like what's going on between <laughs> them <laughs>
1: and i completely forgot too that uh komi and tadano were holding hands during the ice skating scene but that is nothing in comparison to the the foul thing that we saw at the end of this episode.
0: How (laughs) fucking lewd. How dare they show us hand-holding twice in an episode? I almost fainted, okay? I know we (laughs) talked about this
1: trope only a couple episodes ago, uh, whereas the romantic comedy, it never changes or whatever. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it was a really cute scene. Tadano getting sick, I mean, wow, shocker a slice-of-life protagonist succumbs to a cold just to give them and their romantic interest a moment alone. Like, okay, we have that here in Me*, But it was well done, and it was unique for what we've seen, you know, time and time again in slice-of-life romances. Here, she goes to hold his hand, and it's really fucking cute. But then, of course, Najimi busts in to stop the moment short. I think the best part, though afterward was when his sister smells that there was a girl in the room i'm like what the <laughs> fuck that was so funny
1: yeah i you know my best wife who shows up to take care of her mans that's all i needed from this episode and i especially love that uh tarano thinks he's going to die once <laughs> <when laughs> he catches this cold and he's bedridden but then as soon as komi shows up which was by accident because i think he meant to call najimi uh he he finds the will to live again, uh. But man, you know, you know what was it? Episode eleven of My Dress Up Darling. You know, I know a lot of people thought like that, like that episode got them all hot and bothered. You know, just seeing that handhold, like oh man, I was sweating. The sexual tension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I forgot. There's the the bonus scene at the end of this episode. Where it kind of plays a movie trailer preview for the new character in the next episode. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. I like, think like, the for time say? it says uh, the time has come. <laughs> and it's introducing this guy. And I thought that this was going to be the the like the antagonist like to the romantic plot for or between Komi and Tarano. That doesn't end up being the case. But I just love that they put so much emphasis on this character because he's so (laughs) narcissistic. And so, in episode 7, broken into four segments, it's just a misunderstanding, it's just a hallucination, it's just a narcissist, and it's just a group decision for the school trip, Komi writes a flustered letter to Najimi asking if they saw any of that OnlyFans content from the previous episode. But the message is lost in translation as Tadonomi confronts his childhood friend about what happened who simply claims that Komi was checking if this fucker still had a pulse. We are then introduced to Narose, a student with an ego more inflated than current gas prices, who nearly makes moves on Komi but ends up sending selfies to Taranormi instead for some reason. In a rare, serious turn for the series, the episode concludes with Komi verbally confessing her concerns about the upcoming school trip to Taranormi, and our ho-hum hero comforts her with his bright-eyed, silver cow-licked positivity.
0: Oh, boy, Naruse Shisto, the Naru... The uh, Naru... The Narcissisto.
1: (laughs) The (laughs) Naruto-sisto.
0: Fucking hilarious. I mean... His name is hilarious. His character is hilarious. I think he even has his own fucking theme song. That's how narcissistic (laughs) he is. I mean, maybe the other characters have their own theme songs as well, and I just haven't noticed, but his is very apparent. And I mean, if there is one character to give their own theme song, it's going to be the narcissistic character.
1: And I love that the way that his segment plays, it's all kind of in his perspective, because they, I'm pretty sure it might have been the narrator or himself who introduces Naruto as the main character, and then you have this this friend on the side who's drawn like a cartoon character, uh, providing more like input and context to what Naruto is actually a doing. realistic view yeah. of what's
0: going on. I think I have his name here.
1: Uh, Kometani.
0: I, yeah, Chusaku.
1: But yeah, there are instances where you see things from his point of view. I think. He bumps into classmates uh, when he's trying to introduce himself to Comey, and he thinks no, that... no, no,
0: it, the other way around. Because I I noted how funny it was. Everyone bumps into him when he tries to talk oh. to Comey because <laughs> he thinks like, like
1: they're his fans or something. Yeah, or... <laughs> and like
0: he's trying to get a word in with Comey, but everyone keeps like literally ramming their bodies into him. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> and then I think Tadano is just completely invisible from his point of view which is just enforcing like his kind of main character narcissism. And the, like again, this is where I thought that it was going to be like a, almost like a love triangle between uh, Komi, Tadano, and uh, say, But all she does is just give him a handkerchief that he dropped. And then he just has this warped sense of her falling in love with him, although she never really reciprocates the feelings. And the OP music plays here again, too, because <laughs> he just thinks that something is blossoming between them. Uh, I, you know, The narrator mentions that the, there's a Greek story of Narcissus, whom I believe Narcissus is based on. Uh, I was just reading up about this story. Narcissus rejected all romantic advances, eventually falling in love with his own reflection in a pool of water. Staring at it for the remainder of his life until he died. <laughs> Just
0: Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Interesting choice of inspiration for this character. But
0: going back to the romantic rival thing, yeah, I, I don't think Narusei is going to be a proper romantic rival to Tarano, but it's funny to his character to be interested in Komi and to think that Komi is interested in him. And I'm sure we'll see more of that. But yeah, I, don't, I can't see this character now that we've gotten introduced to him being like that true romantic rival. We may never get one for Tadano, which is fine. I, I feel like that'd actually be weird for Komi. Like it, it wouldn't be weird, but it may be a, a little unexpected or maybe a little out of place for the type of show Comey is setting itself up to be. It's a little more wholesome and soft um than like a drama like an actual drama that has a true romantic rival that causes conflict but if we end up getting one then we'll see how that pans out
1: yeah i wonder if once she or if she ever eventually becomes comfortable like communicating with others that's where she kind of starts to find interest in Like other characters that she starts communicating with. And then, like, Tadano starts to become, or like, starts to move to the back burner. Maybe. Yeah, that's the only way I can see her falling for someone else is that, like, once she gets the experience, then she starts seeing who else is out there.
0: This episode is also unique because we have some drama infused here, albeit short-lived. But towards the end of the episode, I think Comey and Tatano are speaking about the class trip and Comey opens up to Tatano in like a cute way because she's kind of hiding around the corner and they're talking on their cell phones. But she's saying you know, she's she's expressing her concerns with the class trip that in the past no one really picked her for other trips, and she ended up not going because of that. And Tarano, of course, was cute as fuck, saying that he'll skip the trip with her, joking that they can go to Kyoto together, Ooh. and it was really, it was really really sweet. But it was nice to have that moment of, um, not of conflict, I guess, necessarily, but that more serious moment, because we're already like more than halfway through the season, and I don't think we really got that up until now.
1: And it shows how much Komi has just developed in her her character arc Uh, because Tadano reminds her of just how much she has grown since that the bad memories of her her junior high trip where she wasn't like she had just completely shut off from her classmates but now she's she's shown that she's broken out of that and even just with her speaking like I'm pretty sure this was the first instance where she was able to verbally speak and talk in a full conversation with uh, Tadano.
0: Yeah, far more than the earlier episode, which I think was episode two, where at that point I was like, oh, is this the most we've ever heard Comey speak in one sitting? This is definitely like three times as long as episode two.
1: And I like how the VA, I I forgot her name again. Um,
0: Aoi Koga.
1: Yes, thank you. I, I like how Aoi Koga... Like she still emulates how Komi is just so nervous of using her speaking voice that it just sounds very feeble, but you can tell that she's also trying her best. Like I love that she captures that dynamic with this scene, and it makes it even more pivotal. In episode 8, comprising just one segment, it's just the school trip, the class hits the old dusty trail to Kyoto, and Komi's two groupmates vow to make sure she has a grand old time. The class's tour guide fails miserably at her job of tour guiding, but takes comfort in the main not-yet-love interests, taking heed of her recommendations. The real activities start at night, though, as Komisan avoids getting Rule 34 at the hot bath, and Cobra Katai and Naruse welcome getting Rule 34 while Tadanormi documents the moment through a camera lens.
0: So this was another episode that I felt was just okay. It was another one where there wasn't really any progress on Komi's goal to make friends. Um, granted, I guess a little bit with like her, her group mates, but I think we get more of that in the next episode. Um, and there also really wasn't any romantic development with Tarano. Not to say that that has to happen every single episode, but I mean, if, if it's not going to be romantic development with Tarano, I would expect the other goal to be at the forte. But this one just kind of felt pretty stagnant. I mean, Comey was happy to have so many friends to spend time with, but I think this, I'm finding with season two that the episodes are hit or miss. There's a good chunk which are miss. Not to say they're not good episodes, it's just for me personally, it's not what I'm hoping to see or what kind of keeps me engaged with Comey. But the episodes themselves, still at the core, are good. Like there was a lot that happened here. Um, it was kind of nice to see them on their class trip, seeing them in a, in a setting other than their their school or their their classroom, um, and to just see how they they interact as like a full group um, in that that new setting.
1: Yeah, they just act like any other school class on a field trip, right? <laughs> just goofing off, not really taking anything seriously. There are moments between Komi and Tadano here, though. Remember, like they they kind of split off from the group to tour around the area themselves
0: oh that's true and then You're there right. was like
1: a i think you had tried to explain the the kind of slip up and oh the ski? yeah
0: oh right where he, tadano was explaining that he likes the architecture or something related to the shrine that they were at mm-hmm. or the temple that they were at and Comey writes in her notebook um like or something like that. I can't remember what it said. Is that what it said? <laughs> I don't know. You tell
1: me because you were trying to explain the context of how it could be misconstrued, like the meaning of it.
0: Yeah, because in Japanese, when you reply to somebody, if the subject of the sentence has already been established, you don't always necessarily need to restate the subject of the sentence in your reply. It's kind of like saying... Essentially, like, I like the architecture here. And then Komi was saying, oh, I like it too. But without the it specifying the inanimate object, it's more like mm. I like as well. So that can be misconstrued as like...
1: she saying that to Tarano. Yeah,
0: like saying I like you as well. Without specifying the subject, it's kind of... It, it allows for that misinterpretation So I, or that misunderstanding. So I think Tarano was kind of like shocked at first because... Hearing or reading what she wrote at first. He was like, is she talking about me? She's saying she likes me <laughs> Although mm-hmm. she quickly cleared up that that misunderstanding
1: Yeah, and so it's another one of those. I don't think I've said it yet this episode key league moments. <laughs> you know That Filipino word for just that gushy lovey-dovey moment um, Yeah, the only other real part of this episode that was phenomenal I guess was <laughs>
0: The bath scene. <laughs> yes. that, yeah, that was fantastic. Oh. Don't get me wrong. Even though this episode was oh, okay, God. I would say everything up until the bath scene was okay. The, that bath scene was fucking hilarious. And of course, at the center of it is Katai, because Katai has so many fucking hilarious moments in this season. And they went all, like almost all the way. They had us. They had us in the, the first SSM. half, not gonna lie. <laughs> With the moaning and like you don't even see what's just going like, on. You just see like a <laughs> shot of the, the room and then they pan to Katai and Naruse making some sort of like, like weird body
1: poses. Bod- yeah. yeah,
0: bodily gestures. And then they, they pan out further and it's all of the boys posing in like a muscular pose. I mean, I I like scream laughed when, when that came on. I was like, I don't know how to react to this. What's happening? Is it sexual? Is it not? But yes, of course,
1: it's a joke. Especially <laughs> because of, like, the way that they're framing both Katai and Narusei before the, the body pose reveal. It's like, <laughs> you know, and I definitely whatever you saw, find on Pornhub. <laughs> yeah,
0: I definitely saw that clip make its rounds on Reddit. <laughs> it was definitely posted on the, the R-Anime subreddit a couple of times.
1: And then this was Another instance where, you know, like Comey, I think passes by and sees what's going on, and that just gives her mixed thoughts about like what Tadano is into.
0: <laughs> and I think she asks him right in the next episode at at one point. She's like, "So what was going on with you guys at the in the bathhouse?" Oh right, I think
1: the, towards the end of the next episode. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we ever heard what Tadano's answer was. But I'm sure he tried to clear it up. And speaking of which, in episode nine, which is just one segment, it's just the second day of the school trip. On the second day of the school trip, the groupmates send Komi to theme parks and takoyaki. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Komi is also unknowingly roped into a street performance until she is secretly saved by groupmate Sasaki with her mad yo-yo skills, an act to which she confesses later that night. Speaking of confessions, we get a small but significant confirmation of who Komi's been crushing on, like it already wasn't obvious though. Kato and Sasaki then set up a ruse for Komi to nap on Tadano's shoulder on the train ride home, and my heart can barely take it no more.
0: I really enjoy that everybody in the show is like yeah we we fucking know that Komi has a crush on Tadano. Najimi knows it, <laughs> yeah. these girls know it and everyone's like we're just all waiting including the viewers <laughs> for you two to just figure it out.
1: Just fucking do it. Just
0: fucking fuck already. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not, until me. <laughs> not, not until you're older. <laughs> but the train ride home was the best part with those girls tricking Tadano into sitting next to Komi while she was sleeping. Just another really wholesome moment. And then, of course, she gets all flustered. And yeah, it was it was great. I loved it.
1: I fucking eat up these kinds of romantic tropes. Like, as soon as that head hit that shoulder oh i was in heaven <laughs> and then just seeing her like slowly write on her notepad the letter h about the first letter of her crush or like i think that's what was translated hito no, hito is
0: like, his first name yeah yeah it was or like h. she
1: actually wrote the letter h yeah right so yeah hito hito i don't know there you go it is 100 percent canon now in episode 10 broken into just one segment it's just valentine's day In celebration of the Hallmark holiday, Onemine invites Komi to make Valentine's chocolates and cakes at her home, despite the little shits that our leading lady bravely puts up with. At school the next day, she distributes and receives chocolates left and right, while Tadanormi receives only a consolation chocolate from, who else, Cobra Katai. Komi fumbles a gifting attempt to him by sending Tadanormi student council meeting notes, but she gets second golden wind and with her final batch of chocolates in hand, saves my boy the best for last.
0: I know the episode is called It's Just Valentine's Day, but it should be called It's Just Terrible Animation. Yes. (laughs) Oof, this was definitely a low-budget episode because that animation was rough. And I don't mean like half a step, a step down from normal. I mean extremely noticeably rough. There's always one of those episodes in most anime like this, especially, um, you know, of this length. And, you know, you got to be understanding that maybe there's just not enough resources or time for them to have every single episode look clean. However, it was rough to the point where I had a hard time paying attention to the episode. If, if there's a little downgrade on the animation, like, I, I can get past that, but this was... To the point where it was distracting and unfortunately it kind of extended into episode eleven too, which we'll get to.
1: Yeah. There was one point where it looked like Tarano's eyes were just so far apart, which reminded <laughs> me of when we watched like my sister, my writer, and you know, the the great animation quality on that. Yeah,
0: he had those vibes, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> and then another point where Komi and Tarano just they look like kids. Like I I don't know. So so yeah, something about this episode felt cartoony. It was
0: very clunky.
1: But I am looking right now at some of the projects that OLM, the studio that worked on Komi, like what they were working on during um, the spring season. I see here an anime called Love All Play alongside Summertime Rendering. So I wonder if Ooh. that might have factored into why this episode felt so out of place
0: because summertime rendering has gorgeous animation i would say it, it definitely rivals if not is slightly better than the animation we get in comey overall it, but it also could be the fact that season two came out so quickly after season one yeah i mean within months you're getting this this next season i i'm because of that i'm also not surprised that this episode and episode 11 took a hit
1: which is Again, surprising because you'd think this, like, a Valentine's Day episode, this would be a significant part of the story that you would want to make sure is, is up to snuff. Um, I, I think, like, maybe the last scene where Comey runs back to Tadno to give him the chocolates, um, that was probably their best work out of this episode, but just everything else around it, like, it, it didn't build up to that moment.
0: It was a cute scene, though, when she gave him that and then freaked out and and ran away. It it was nice because Tadano was pretty down in the dumps about not getting any chocolate, and I think he secretly really wanted to get something from Comey, especially after seeing everybody else get chocolates from Comey. I just wasn't clear as to why Comey waited until afterward, like after school, to give him the chocolate. I know she said that she saved the best-looking pieces just for him, but— she didn't specify why she waited until later that night to actually give him the chocolates.
1: I think it, it was just nerves. Like, you know, like teenagers, they want to make the right impression for their high school crush.
0: But wouldn't it argue, arguably be more difficult or nerve wracking to show up to his house? You know what I mean? Like at night unannounced. I feel like, in, at least in mm-hmm. school, the occasion calls for it. So it's not as seemingly random. That's just me, though. I don't know. I mean, it was still a cute scene regardless. I was just kind of wondering, like, why did she wait? Or at least not tell him, you know, I have something for you. Because he was so sad about it.
1: Yeah, he thought like he did something wrong. But then on the flip side, I think that makes the delivery more special because she's doing something specifically for him, like customizing the way that he's sort of receiving the gift in comparison to the other students.
0: I mean, he did at least get chocolate from Katai, right? <laughs> yes, he <did>. <laughs> that's the more important chocolate, <laughs> that's for sure.
1: <laughs> in episode 11, broken up into four segments, it's just tights, it's just an Oni's metal club, it's just sweetness, and it's just a fight. While Komi freaks out about Tata Normi's reaction to her chocolates the next day, Yabai Yamai, quote-unquote, assists our wholesome heroine with a tear in her tights leading our stumpy boy to realize that he has a bare leg fetish. We are then introduced to two more walking tropes in the form of the short-tempered Oni Gaishimasu and the overly helpful Amami Umami.
0: Wait, her name's Oni Gaishimasu?
1: No, it's
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> it's uh Akako Onigashima.
0: Oh, I thought that, because, I, I mean, they all their names are play on words to a certain degree, so I thought it was onegai No, that
1: was my way of remembering the name. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, I the, was like, whoa. <laughs> the short-tempered Oni Gaishimasu and the overly helpful amami umami, whom Komi befriends by untangling the former's headphones and offering a helping hand to the latter. Lastly, Komi and Tadanormi experience their first quote-unquote fight over board game strategy, until Najimi ever the breaker of tension cuts through the quarrel before it can become a teenage drama on CW. So yeah the animation quality in this episode is it's still mid.
0: Yeah it was maybe slightly better than episode 10 but still pretty fucking rough. but even beyond that, I felt like the entire episode was super rushed like they just kind of flew through these missions or whatever, these chapters, and kind of crammed a lot into a single episode. I mean, we're introduced to two new characters or two new friends in such a short amount of time. I just, it felt a little all over the place that like they were really trying to like push things through to prepare or to set up for episode 12. Um, but I mean, the the funniest part was the, the ripped tights, although it was also kind of fucking weird. I know a lot of people have differing opinions on Yamai. She's probably the most divisive and controversial character in Mm Komi. But regardless, the episode or her scene in the beginning was still pretty funny. I mean, I I laughed at it.
1: Yeah, especially (laughs) she puts the tights over her head. I was
0: like, "What?" and there was like really nice music playing, like very wholesome music. And then it just cuts, right? Yeah, like it's, (laughs) well, even when she has the tights on her face, it's the music still going. It cuts when Comey notices what's going on. So the timing there was great. It's just the animation was lacking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just to comment a little bit more with the animation. I noticed that there were a lot of frozen frames between Tarano and Komi which trying to buy of, some time. Yeah, it just cuts down on what they have to actually animate and yeah, it like things like that just made it so distracting and I think there was only really one real clean shot of Komi which is when she's helping or offers to help uh, Amami in one of the later segments. Uh, but yeah, when Tarano sees Komi's bare legs. Ooh! Reminds me of when I think the pool episode in season one where he gets caught in her hair and then he says like, oh, I think I have a new fetish. That was so <laughs> funny. Oh my
0: God, I forgot about that moment. Yeah, that so great.
1: it's another moment here. So, oh boy, it's getting hot. <laughs> and, you know, with again, with the new characters, they did feel rushed because it, it just kind of mashes these two into this episode really quickly. But with Onigashima, I feel like for most of the characters that Comey has befriended, none of them have really put up a fight against her. Not like, you know, like a physical fight, but like really presented her with a challenge to make a friend. And I thought that this character was going to do that. But, you know, as always, Comey's kindness prevails. Um, I, I was just kind of hoping for more of that. Like, yeah, it's great that Comey's making these friends so rapidly. But with a character that has this, this sort of short temper or, or snaps when provoked, I, I thought that that would have been a, a good challenge for Comey.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, it did feel like there, there was more effort that she had to put in in the first season to make these friends. But maybe it's just one of those things where as she grows her friend circle, more and more people become willing to get closer to her. Because if other people have already done so, that makes the barrier to entry a little bit easier for other people.
1: And so I think at this point, she just has 73 more friends to make. And so if my math is correct, she has made 27 friends up until this point. And in the final episode for season two, episode 12, broken into two segments, it's just White Day and it has just been one year. It's Tadanormi's turn to take a trinket to his true love on White Day, but when he asks his little sister for help, she digs deep into his love life, causing overwhelming awkwardness to ensue. Our stumpy boy then visits upon Komi's house to drop off the gift, but her mother and father exponentially increase the awkwardness levels until our leading lady comes to the rescue. Tadanormi bequeaths Komi with some hand cream, which she lovingly accepts and I'm sure it will come in handy someday. As the school year winds down, the class engages in an Eraser War tournament arc that Komi ultimately l- wins because fuck you, that's why. Komi somberly reflects on the conclusion of a fun and life-changing year for her, and Tata Normi once again radiates best boy energy by comforting her and reminiscing with her. And Najimi once again executes their tension combo breaker by interrupting their lovey-dovey moment once more to gather everyone for one last hangout. The episode ends as year two begins in a locker scene between Tadanormi and Komi reminiscent of their first encounter, as our wholesome heroine raises a toast to a new year with our ho-hum hero. If only love stories moved as fast as school years in this show.
0: Thank God they pulled through on the animation for this last episode. It looked gorgeous. It looked really, really good. And the White Day arc was fantastic. It was everything I've been waiting for. It was so funny, it was so wholesome, it was so cute and then the chaos of it all when Tadano is like trying to figure out what to get Komi and his sister thinks he's getting something for Katai and then he rings on Komi's doorbell and her brother's an- her brother answers And like just hangs up on him and then he panics (laughs) and then her mom forces him to come inside and then he sits down in her room and her dad shows up and says literally nothing and stares at him. And then Comey comes in freaking the fuck out when she gets home realizing what the hell's going on and her room is a mess and it's just the whole (laughs) thing was like nonstop. Chaos. The pacing was was really really fast, but in a great way that just made you fly through that scene, feeling like you were in Tadano's shoes the whole time.
1: Yeah, the absolute state of this White Day, <laughs> and, and I know like White Day is not a concept that we are familiar with um, in the West, so it's kind of like a what a, a reverse Valentine's Day in Japan.
0: So I guess. The best way I can sum it up from what I know, it's like Valentine's Day is an opportunity for girls to give chocolates to guys they have interest in, although they do have friend chocolates, um, friend choco where it's just meant to be on a friendship level. And then on White Day, the guy can reciprocate the gesture and therefore the feelings supposedly by giving the girl chocolate in return.
1: Mm, So as they say in Star Wars the circle is now complete because Komi has gifted Tadano and Tadano has gifted Comey. so why the fuck aren't they together yet <laughs> um yeah you know in the beginning i like how you know he's still reflecting on the chocolates that Comey gave him on Valentine's Day to the point where he had kept the the wrapper of the chocolate and he starts sniffing it.
0: Oh, my God. So funny. <laughs>
1: and then his sister walks in and just starts snooping. And then he asks for her advice. And you mentioned that the way he addresses his sister, even though she's younger than him, he calls her by a... Like a
0: San. He, you he, know, like he, a, I think he uses... Uh, formal. What the fuck is her first name? Hitomi. Uh, yeah, he calls her Hitomi-san. I don't know if it's just because she was giving him advice, so he was... Or if he just thinks
1: that lowly of himself. Right? Well, I, I
0: have to pay. We have to go back and see other scenes with them because I don't know if he calls her just he told me or he told me son in other scenes.
1: Mm-hmm. And then she explains what certain gifts mean. Like candies mean I love you, marshmallows mean I hate you, cookies mean friendship. So what does hand cream mean?
0: Oh, <laughs> um, I want you to. Uh, give Jerk him me a me hand. Off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
1: Um, but you, if you remember that, like at the end of the, of the segment where um, he gifts her with the hand cream, he gives her the gift, and there's also a piece of candy there, which there's symbolism there. I think
0: it's chocolate, isn't it?
1: Is it chocolate? I
0: don't know. I thought it was. Either like, way, wrong.
1: it's it's not marshmallows. It's not cookies. It's candy. <laughs> so. This guy is definitely in love with this girl. And the, the other thing that I love with the the white day segment is, you know, when when Komi's dad comes in, says nothing, and then she kicks him out. He has that cup of tea, which Tadno thinks he's offering to him. But then he is actually the one that's drinking from it. And then as soon as Comey's dad leaves, he leaves the teacup there, and Tadano just drinks from the teacup <laughs> <laughs> as the silence just... It's deafening in that room.
0: Back when Tadano was talking to his sister about White Day, there was that moment where I think she was trying to get him to confess that he had feelings for somebody, and he had like this flustered look, and she was like, why does he look so cute? I, when that, that face came up, I was like, what the fuck? Why is Tatano looking hot right now? I, I got to find a screenshot of it, because I was like, why does he look so hot? Usually what? he just looks like cute old stumpy boy, but they made him look hot in that, that moment. Wait, when was this? Hang on, let me let me look it up. So I just sent you a screenshot of it.
1: Oh, look at that! That nice lens flare. It was such like because <laughs> Komi
0: gets all these up close, super detailed shots of her face where she looks absolutely gorgeous. It was so weird to see a similar shot, a similar close up of Tadano's face where they made him look like attractive. I don't know, or like really shy and cute. I was like, what the fuck? Where did the space come from, Tadano? It's
1: like the Super Saiyan version of Tadano.
0: (laughs) That eraser war later in the episode felt like something out of Jojo. Not only because they had Jojo references, but because they took something so mundane and made it so epic, which is a very common thing in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure.
1: Yeah, it's very similar to the scene we talked about earlier uh, from the Christmas episode where It's the game of them trying to find seats um, in the party. And then here, yeah, I I still don't know what the point of this Eraser game is. Uh, Maybe they actually do play it in in Japanese high schools. I'm sure they do because that's where they they get the inspiration for this scene. Uh, But yeah, it's another one just taking a super, maybe like super common or normal thing. And giving it, like you said, the the Jojo spin. And then of course you have to make Komi win. The one thing that almost like I don't know why I flinched at it, it was uh Najimi's finger because she was facing off against Komi. Oh god. And she had like yeah. that assisting device with her. The spring. On the hand. And then yeah, it snaps back her finger and, and I just whew. You
0: you made this like audible noise when yeah. that came up.
1: I don't know, like even watching things, you know, like animated that are grotesque as this like they make me squeam, <laughs> even like, <laughs> a slice of life that makes me squeam. How odd.
0: Squeam. <laughs> well, the end of this episode. Wait, wait squirm? Is that what I? I meant? think you're trying to do either squeamish or squirm. <laughs> oh, squeam. It's yeah. fine. Squeam. <laughs> we'll take it.
1: Squeam. Okay, I'll add that to it's my a vocabulary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the end of the episode, the way they kind of closed out season two or the second core whatever you consider it um i thought it was really nice i think comey had lots of character development when they reflected on how many new friends she's made and then comey spoke pretty significantly to tarano about a significant moment and even at the end when they greet each other good morning she uses her notepad at first and then forces herself to put it down and uses her voice to wish him you know a good start to the new school year so i thought the way they closed things out was nice and it kind of leaves things set up for hopefully a season three um where they start off their next school year
1: oh i'm sure there's going to be a season three there better be there's no
0: (laughs) way we can we can not have a season three with how well this is done
1: people are just gushing over call me myself included um, yeah, that last scene where they're kind of reflecting, on um, the past school year, which by the way, that school year flew by faster than a school year in My Hero Academia. So that's already, uh, one up on that show. From yeah, Comey. six seasons <laughs> into
0: My Hero, and I don't think we've finished their first year of school yet. Yeah,
1: it only took Comey two seasons, so good for Comey. Uh, but I you know, I love how the classroom, like the windows, it just shows scenes of Comey's progress, not just from this season, but from the previous season, which just makes me think that this could have been like two cores of the first season. And then you have that nice visual of the pair like writing on the chalkboard in the past versus the present where they're looking out the window kind of like uh, beyond new horizons. And you pointed this out is that in this scene, they're playing a piano version of the very first OP, um, Cinderella by Cider Girl, which I didn't catch at first, which I'm surprised I didn't catch.
0: But then I'm surprised caught. I caught it. <laughs> usually I don't pay attention. To, oh, not that I don't pay attention, but usually music has to be pretty significant for me to to notice it.
1: Yeah. And so that just brings that good sense of closure to this first school year with Komi and Tadano. And, you know, they... They realize that they're both stuck in this classroom because it's like raining cats and dogs outside, which could have opened up room for them to share a tender moment. And then, of course, Najimi butts in. Even though they support Komi and Tadano and and ship them, they ruin the moment a lot in this season. (laughs) (laughs) And so that brings us to our final thoughts for Komi Can't Communicate Season 2. So how many... Come on over, babies, out of 10, would you give this season?
0: I give it an 8.5 out of 10. I think it was a very good season. Like I said, I enjoyed it more than I did the first season, which was still really, really good, really solid. I thought the friends introduced here, for the most part, felt more significant, felt like they offered more to the story and the scenes that they were in. And I, I can't get enough of the romantic development between Komi and Tadano, which seems to be on fast forward compared to the peppering of it that we got in season one. While some of the episodes did not hit as well as other ones, and while some of them have had pretty rough animation, 10 and 11, um, I think those didn't necessarily take away from the overall season and how the story progressed and everything that it gave us. So yeah, I would say an 8.5 for sure. What about you?
1: I would give it uh, the same score that I gave season one, which is eight out of ten. I wasn't expecting anything life-changing or vastly different out of this second season of Komi. I was expecting something heart-stopping, though, and for the most part, this season delivered. You had another wild cast of characters uh, with, I think, Katai being the natural standout, and it makes me wonder what the remaining 70-plus friends that Komi has to make, what they will be like or if there are even that many personality tropes left and as I kind of referenced earlier I'm wondering if like one of them will prove to be a real challenge to a real challenge to Komi as very few of the classmates so far have kind of turned down her charm other than that the the slice of life and comedy X aspects and the progressing relationship between Tadano and Komi I think they strike a nice balance in this season despite not moving as quickly as in a show like My Dress Up Darling. But I think in Comey's case, you really get to appreciate that slow burn trope we talked about in the the anime romance genre never changes episode. Uh, And some scenes, I think they just take you to the nostalgic bliss of when you had your own high school crush and the things that you did for them or they did for you. And, you know, just to make a quick comparison to something else that we watched during spring, um, Aharen, I felt that was kind of lacking in both areas with the slice-of-life comedy and that the progressing relationship in that show. Um, so I think Komi kind of provides that nice standard, at least for me, in watching slice-of-life romances going forward. And, of course, there was that largely noticeable dip in animation quality with episodes 10 and 11. But I think overall it wasn't like there wasn't anything fully detrimental that took me out of the story or how gilig it made me feel um i think the anime is caught up through chapter 129 of the manga and i think there are like over 300 chapters currently in volume i know that what chapter was it chapter 300 of has like the community buzz.
0: oh like 302 or 305 mm-hmm. i don't know anything about it i just keep Neither seeing I, that posted yeah. on like twitter and reddit they're like i can't wait till they get to chapter <laughs> 302 or 305 or whatever the fuck it is of comey i mean i can't wait either i'm sure it's something yeah. good
1: so I, i'm assuming it's a watershed event in the story so yeah my comey hype train is not dying at this point especially because i got that nendoroid coming by the end of the year the only nendoroid that i've ever purchased which is of my girl comey so yeah gonna ride this train forever and ever
0: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you everyone for listening thank you for tuning in to us every week and sharing our love of anime hopefully you guys enjoyed comey as much as we did um share your thoughts with us join our discord or send us a dm let us know what you think or send us an email you know, all those ways. We love hearing from you guys and we want to hear your thoughts on Comey Can't Communicate. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series. Tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, and all of our links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.
1: and lends a helping hand to Country Bumpkin, Inaka, where she she sells shrine (laughs) shells.
0: Oh boy, you made this difficult for yourself.
1: Where she sells shrine shells at the shrine store. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) On the second day of the school trip the groom. On the second day of the school trip the group.